a bit of snow this week, didn't we? Did any of you get snowed in? Put your hand up if you got snowed in. And when I talk about snowed in, I think the Brits have a very different way. We, we look at it a bit differently. We see snow on the ground, and that's being snowed in. As soon as it's literally, there were, there were kids sent home from school before it even started snowing on Thursday. But we, uh, we do have a tendency to, to panic a little bit. Um, I, I, it genuinely is always a privilege when I get the opportunity to come and share with you. Um, I don't take it lightly. It's a responsibility that I carry heavy. Um, and I'm excited with the message that God's put on my heart this morning. I believe it is significant. Um, and we're going to start. Will you just stand with me? If you're able to stand, will you stand? We're going to pray together. Just put your hands up before because we want to receive what God's got for us this morning, don't we? We want to receive what God's got for us. Father, Whatever you have in store for us this morning through the word, will you give us open hearts and open ears to receive it? God, we do, anything that's holding us back, anything that we've carried into this point, into this point of the service, we lay to a side for a second, and instead we just want to concentrate on you, we want to focus our attention on you, that we may hear and receive what you've got for us. We are expectant of you to move in this place this morning, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're, uh, we're looking at a theme at church the um, last couple of weeks based around freedom, um, living free, how to live free. Um, and I am passionate about this message about being a three. I generally, I believe in it. I believe that actually that a church needs one thing more than anything else. It doesn't need better preachers. It doesn't need better worship leaders. It doesn't need better structures or better programs. They're great things, but it needs the presence of God. It needs the presence of God. You know, I believe that actually, as, a, as God's people, we can't be any more righteous. Jesus has made us as right as we can possibly, possibly be. You know, we don't need a more powerful message. The gospel is a powerful message. It's the most powerful message. What we need is people fully free from the things that hold them back, from the restraints that restrict us, and walking in their God-given potential, because that will make differences in the communities where people aren't free. And there's a lot of communities where the people aren't free. I've been given the topic this morning, free to live courageously. Free to live courageously. I want to start by um, just reading a quick verse. This is the verse that um, I got on my, ba- uh, my baptism. It's Joshua 1 verse 9. You, will, you don't really need to read it. You probably know it. It says this. It says, this is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I want to dig into something this morning. I want to dig really hard into something. I believe there's an antidote to courage. I believe there's something that holds us down. When we we try and we live courageously, there's something that holds us back and restricts us consistently. And I believe that thing is fear. And I believe that if we need to be a generation, generations of people who carry freedom into their communities... And so we need to be free of fear because fear has stolen way too many God-given dreams. It has stolen way too many God-given purposes in the people of God that are as a church lies, but actually outside as well. And it's, I've had enough. I've had enough this morning. And so I'm really going to combat something. I'm going to come at it. And so if it's a little bit uncomfortable, I'm sorry. But actually, I don't think church is designed to be comfortable. You know, I, let me um, give you a, a bit of background about who I am. You may, you may not sort of know me, just sort of this... Uh, 
It's a big lanky lad sort of standing in front of you talking. My name's Josh. I'm, I'm 22 years old. Um, I, I spend a lot of my time here. But when I'm not here, you'll find me at work. And I work for a chartered accountancy um, practice called Bishop Fleming. Um, and January is a particularly busy month for Bishop Fleming. Um, tax, who has to do a self-assessment tax return? Raise your hand if you have to do a self-assessment tax return. Yeah. Raise your hand if you, if you leave it till January to do it. Yeah. Everybody. And what, what happens is... What, what happens is every, everybody waits, because tax year end is 5th of April, everybody waits and then goes, ah, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave it a bit, I'll leave it a bit. And then January comes and everybody chucks their information at you and you process all these tax returns. So my January has been super busy, um, but it has been, actually it's been one of the better Januaries for me, but it has been busy. I walk to work every day, it's about a 15 to 20 minute walk, it's dependent, the 15 to 20 minute walk. It's, a 15 to min- it's like a 20 minute walk, I'll say, on a Monday morning. Because on a Monday morning, when I'm walking to work, I'm walking into a whole week of work, aren't I? And I'm walking like this. It's more of a shuffle. It's more, it's, you know, I walk past somebody and you do the British thing that you call a brief look up and you look away before you get eye contact with them. But by Friday, Friday afternoon, I'm walking back from work. I'm walking like, it's 15 minutes walking with purpose. I'm high-fiving the people I walk past. I know that the weekend's coming and it's all good. I was sat at my desk um, one day, and uh, it, was, it was in the afternoon, and it was absolutely lashing down outside with rain, absolutely pouring down. It's the sort of rain that, you know, if you spend a second in, you look like you've been riding the log flumes at Alton Towers all day. You know, literally, you walk out, and you're absolutely covered, covered, and you're wet. There's no part of you that's dry anymore. You're just wet, you know? And I, I, uh, I remember as I, was, as I was about to leave, I was going, flipping heck, this is not, not going to be nice. And um, I got a text from my mum, and she says, Josh, the weather is terrible. Do you want Dad to pick me up, uh, pick you up? And I, uh, I'm a bit stubborn, me. And I was like, nah, I can do it. I, I reckon I can make it. And, uh, and so I, I literally walk out the door, and within 15 seconds, I've texted my mum back saying, yes, please. <laughs> I, I, I would like that lift, after all. And uh, so I, walk, I, I, I agree that I walk around to a bus stop. It's about a two or three minute walk. Um, I walk around to this bus stop, and by the time I get there, I am, I've, I've almost drowned. I, 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 I'm just so damp, you know, and, and, and I, I get to the bus stop, and I'm waiting for my dad, and I realize I'm in trouble. I realize I'm in a bit of trouble because I wear glasses, um, and I don't know if you've ever been in the rain, pouring rain in glasses. The whole purpose of glasses becomes redundant, doesn't it? <laughs> And, uh, and, I, and I'm there, and I, literally, I've got water. It's just like splodges everywhere. I can't see. I'm, I'm at the bus. I, I know I've got to the bus stop, at least. And I've got, I've got that far, but then I, I'm seeing... I can't barely see the cars coming past. So what I do is I, uh, I take my glasses off, and I try and do the... I make the fatal mistake of trying to dry your glasses with, with, a, with, a, with, a, with basically my T-shirt and my shirt that was equally as damp as everything else. And so what I do is I smudge more around and I can't see anyone. I'm, I'm basically, I don't want to be dramatic here, but I was basically blind. I was basically blind and I, and I get to that point point. I'm like, no, 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 how am I going to see? So I have to, I ring dad and say, dad, you need to beep your horn when you go past. It's quite a busy road. I need, I need you to beep your horn as you go past. And he said, Josh, I'm here. And I, and I, I said, are you? And, and he, he said, I think I can see you. I think you're looking the wrong direction away from the bus stop. And, 
and uh, anyway, there's, but the point, that, yeah, that's, there's, about three, there's about three dark cars. I think there's like a black car, sort of a dark blue car and a black car. But in the dark, which it was, I couldn't see the difference. And so I've got it. It's like a one in three chance of one of the cars is my dad's. I can't see the number, but I can't read. Literally, I, I open up the door. And it was my dad's car. I, walk, I literally look in. I'm like, <laughs> Dad? And uh, luckily, it was him. <laughs> but... Uh, would have been embarrassing otherwise. And, and I, I think that, that on that night, uh, as I was preparing this, God really dropped something in my heart. And I think that I, on that night, I lost my vision. My vision was restricted so much. And I believe that there's something about fear that it restricts our vision. It stops us from seeing how we were designed to be. The things that are right in front of us sometimes, we don't see. Because, you know, I, I, I'm so concentrated. I, I was in a bit of a flap. The rain, the water, all of it was just adding up. And I was like, But actually, I, want, I really want to unpack some areas that we can, how we can be free from fear, how we can, how we can get our, our perspective right, because that is the key. I want to tell you that right now, that's the key. You get your perspective right, you transform, you're free. It's a perspe- fear is a perspective. I believe that. I be- believe it. I want to unpack a couple of points. I'm a point preacher. I always preach from about three points. Every time you, you, you heard me preach, you'll probably do three points. Um, I, want to, I want to look at sort of some of the things that fear does and then somehow the ways we can be free from it. The first one is this. It says, is fear causes distance between us and God. It causes separation. It does. But in closeness with him, I don't know if that's a word. I asked Dad last night if closeness is a word. I think it is. In closeness with him, there is freedom. You know, as I stood in the rain and I called on my dad... He could have been in Scotland. I didn't know where. I couldn't see him. He could have been miles away. He wasn't. He was right there. And fear sometimes is that, that, that thing that kind of like, God is always, I believe God is a God of closeness. I believe he is a God of proximity. He wants to be near to us. But often when our, when our, when our perspective is wrong, we can't see where he is. My dad's car, he was there. I, called it. I could have seen him. I didn't need to call him. But my perspective made me miss it. You know? And fear makes us miss things. You know, fear is called separation right from the beginning. And I'll tell you why. It's because fears will always try and take your attention from God to them. And when they take your attention from God to themselves, they become bigger and bigger. When you shine a microscope on something, it looks massive, doesn't it? But actually, it's not as tiny when you look at it in comparison with who God is. You know, the Garden of Eden is a vision of the relationship that God wants with us. He wants closeness. He wants to be near to us. But unfortunately, we, our fears get in the way. I want to read from Genesis 3. If you've got your Bibles, you turn to Genesis 3 with me. We're going to read from verses 1 to verses 13. says this, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say that you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God, knowing both good and evil, and the woman was convinced. Easy sell. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. 
So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walk in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman. You gave me, who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. Then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she, she replied, and that's why I ate it. Fear always starts with a lie whispered in your ear. It always starts with a lie whispered in your ear. And you know, the snake's been doing it for thousands of years. He did it then, and he's doing it today. See, there are people who, are, who are, have fear, this whispers in the ear, lies, and it's causing so much destruction. It's causing so much destruction in the world. You know, in this case, it's the fear of not being in control. Because, you know, the snake whispers to Eve. She, he says, you can have more control. You can make better choices than God can. You, know, you can lead yourself better than God can lead you. You know, the enemy tells people, you'll only be free when you're free from God. You'll only be free when you're free from God. But he's a liar. He's a liar. He speaks contrary to the truth. He speaks contrary to the truth. We read what happens when they eat. They hide in fear. And it's what fear does to us is that we get scared. We feel fearful and we hide ourselves. We cover ourselves up. They cover themselves in fig leaves. It, that's, what really does that do? It's not an effective covering up method, really. They're still naked. They've just got leaves around them. You know, and fear will always tell us to cover up, to hide, to run, to be separate from God. But, you know, the reality is that we only become free when we're near him, when we're close to him. You know, it's why God has desire. He, he wants us to pray. Prayer is significant. He wants us to converse with him because when I'm speaking to God, I'm hearing truth. And when the word speaks into me, I know truth. And when the lies come, and when the whispers of the lies come, I know they're lies. And I don't just go, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go along. Because I know the truth. I said, no, no, no. The truth says this. You're a liar. Go away. You know, it says, resist the devil when he flees from you. When you know the truth, you are free. It's, we know it. You know? What Dad, the passage Dad spoke about earlier. You know, I believe that when we spend time with God, we become free because we find our identity in him. He gives us our, our identity. You know, he's the one who designed us. We find out what our, our purpose really is, what we're really designed to do, what we're really meant for. You know, we live in a world where people are searching for purpose. Yeah? People are searching for purpose everywhere. And I've got a watch here. And if, if I've got questions about what... I know, I, I know the watch tells the time. I'm clever. I can, I can, I can see... It doesn't actually at the minute because it's broken, but... Um, I, 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 know, I can see that the watch tells the time... But when I look at the back, I'm not sure how all the cogs work. I'm not sure why it tells the time. I'm not sure what every single individual piece of the watch does in order to help me tell the time. But if I took it to a watchmaker, if I sat down with a watchmaker and said, will you explain to me 
every part of what's inside the watch. Why does it do? What's its purpose? How does it help make, tell the time? I believe I would get an understanding. As I hear, I would learn from the watchmaker. I would learn what it do, all does. I would learn his passion for each watch that he makes, the individual sort of thing that he puts on each one. And that's like us with God. When I spend time with God, I understand myself because he's my creator, he's my designer. I believe I'm most of myself when I'm in a close relationship with God. When I'm close to him, I'm living as I was designed to. I'm, I'm living at the factory settings. You know, we, we, reset, we reset everything away before so we can mess up. I'm living at the factory settings when I'm close to him because it's how he designed me to be. Let's go to the garden when he's there. He was, we were designed to walk with him in relationship. And he says, can you hear the pain? And he says, where are you? Can you hear the pain? I, when I read that, I hear the pain of God saying, where are you? Because he's calling that. He still calls that today. There are, there are too many people that he calls out, where are you? They're away, they're hiding in their fear. You know, the curtain that Adam put up, Adam and Eve put up, the separator between man and God, Jesus tore it down. He tore it down. We know Jesus is the new Adam. You know, when they, when they, when they put up stuff and barriers to try and sort of, sort of put gaps, space in between themselves and God, and then Jesus on the cross, when he dies and he lets out his final breath, and the curtain that had been designed to keep us away from him is torn into two, Jesus reestablishes the connection we were designed to have with him in the beginning. You know, Adam and Eve's legacy is one of separation, but Jesus' legacy is one of closeness. And I want to ask you this morning, are you following a, a legacy of separation where you're far, where you're, you're kind of in the garden and you're hiding away? There's things in your life, there's fears that are hold, holding you back and your fears are just kind of like, God, stay over there. So I'm, hide because, I hid because I was afraid. I'm hiding because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what I've done. I, I know that I'm not good enough. And Jesus comes, he says, I've paid your price. You're good enough. I've made you good enough. Now that night, at the bus stop, in the wind and the rain, I almost missed my lift. Almost missed my ride to my next destination. And I believe that's my next point. Is that fear often can cause us to miss what's next. It can cause us to make, it restricts our movement. It restricts our movement because it's, it says stay where you are because it's safer. And I believe that God is a God of movement. I believe he's doing a new thing consistently all the time. He's always moving around. And if we're stuck... We miss it. And you can miss the things of God. You know, because God is kind of, come on, let's go on adventures. And your fear says, just stay there. It's safer there. God said, come on. Come on. I want to paint a really simple picture of what fear does to you. Will somebody come and tie this? Dad, will you tie this around my legs? Yeah, that's better. Otherwise, I'll have to jump up. Get abandoned. What it does is it's not too tight. I'm going to cut off the blood circulation. And with purple legs. What it does is this. It restricts my movement. This is going to be really difficult because I'm a bit of a pacer when I preach. This is what fear does to us. Because it begins to bind us up. It begins to mean that we can... We walk, I can function. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> I can function. I can, I can, just, I can make it through. But it's not how God designed me to be. He designed me to be free. He's calling me on a new adventure. But if he's calling me on a new adventure, sometimes there's going to be mountains to climb. Sometimes there's going to be sort of like valleys we have to scale. I can't do it like this. I can't do it like this. 
And I want to say that when Jesus came and what Jesus does on the cross is he releases us completely from the restriction that this has over us. Blind, what do you do? It's a triple knot. And this is what happens. And he releases it. And this is where I, I felt that God prompted me. I, I think there's actually, I'm still not free yet. Because it's in the movement that I'm free. It's in the movement. Because I, I, can, I can still, look, I've got the, the restrictions of the scarf is gone. But I'm not, I don't look like it has. My movement doesn't represent freedom. Because when I move, I demonstrate that I can do the things that I couldn't do when fear had a hold on me. You know, I can move, I can jump. You no, know, I can't do that when I that. And it's until, and often, way too many times, is that actually fear, Jesus takes the fear away from us in the church. If you, if you are in Christ, he has removed the power of fear over you. It's dead. But it's, if you keep moving like this, what's the point? What's the point? Because the demonstration of freedom is in the movement. When I move, other people can see I'm free. There's a lot of people walking around with scarves tied around their legs. There's a lot of people hobbling through, like, I'm good. No, you're not. Look, I can jump. You can jump too. I want to read a passage from Matthew 14, if that's okay. Uh, It's Matthew 14, verses 22 to 31. I I love Jesus. I really do. Um, And so when I read stories about him, I always get passionate. Always get passionate. It says this. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples got back in the boat and crossed to the other side of the lake whilst he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up to the hills by himself to pray. And night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble, far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them, walking on the water, And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. And in their fear, they cried, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. He said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, and I love this. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you. Walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, the strong wind and waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. I think, you know, Peter fails. He does fail and he looks at the waves. And that is, if we look at our fears, you'll become consumed by them. You'll drown in them. When you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, there's freedom. I see Peter stand out as a free man because I love his freedom mindset when he's in the boat. When he says to Jesus, he sees where Jesus is at. And he says, like, I want to be at where Jesus is at. I want to be where Jesus is at. Jesus is walking the wall. I want to follow where Jesus is at. In my life, I want to follow where Jesus is at. And sometimes that means I have to remove myself from just what I know, from the restrictions that I've always put, that fear puts on us, that stay in the boat. There was loads of other guys. The other disciples were in that boat. Not one of them said, I'll get out too. Let's all get out. Just Peter. I love his courage in it because it's noticeable. And I want that's, that's to take away that your courage in the situations, your freedom as you move, as he gets out the boat, as you walk into communities free, it is noticeable. And your communities need you to be free. 
You know, they, on, as a church, we've been too restricted. We've allowed ourselves to become strict. Now, when I'm talking about the church, I'm talking about me, because I'm the church. And we've allowed ourselves to be restricted by the things that stop us moving in the freedom that we've been designed to move into. And God, this morning, I, want, I believe he's calling us like, come on, let's go. There's new things ahead. There's new ways of moving ahead. You know, as I stood again at the bus stop in the night, in the rain, it would have been a different story if it had been in daylight. You know, the dark blue car wouldn't have looked black. I would have been able to see better. I would have been able to make out that it was my dad's car that came to pick me up. But my, my vision, again, was obscured by the darkness. And this is my third and final point. If fear lives in the darkness... But in the light, there is freedom. There is freedom. I, I was a bit of a warrior growing up. You know, sometimes people say about kids, oh, he had no fear. No, that wasn't me when I, when I grew up. Oh, that wasn't me. I'll give you an example of how much of a warrior I was. I remember I was 12 years old. I was in, in, in my bedroom. I was reading my Bible. And I was reading the passage about the unforgivable sin. And, uh, you know, the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And I read the passage, and I just was like, oh, no. This is not good. And I just was like, I've, I've, I'm not pretty sure I've committed the unforgivable sin. So I called my mum and said, Mum, she comes in. It's over, Mum. <laughs> it's, it's done. I, I, I'm sorry to say that you won't be seeing me in heaven because I'm pretty sure I've committed the unforgivable sin. She says, you haven't committed the unforgivable sin. I said, how do you know? She said, if you're worrying about committing the unforgivable sin, you probably haven't. I was like, okay. You know, that's, that, that's an example of, of what a warrior was. As a child, I hated the dark. When I, when I tried to sleep in the dark, my imagination would come to life of the things that lived in the dark. You know, it would, come to, it would come to life of the monsters, you know, and the burglars and the killer clowns. They, they would, of what, my mind would always go to the, in the dark, my mind would always focus on the worst case scenarios. You know, so my mom bought me a nightlight. This Christmas, yeah. <laughs> Best gift I ever had. But you know, when I switched on my nightlight, you know what happened to my worries? Gone. Literally, it was, as soon as I switched the light on, I felt better. I felt safer. I felt better. I didn't worry because actually, I realized that my fears were irrational when I saw them in the light of the light. You know, when I saw them as they really were, which was irrational... They'd lost their power over me. You know, my perspective changed in the light. It's why that as a 22-year-old, I still do have a nightlight. I'm joking, I don't. It's a lava lamp. Um, <laughs> you know, but you know why the nightlight was good? It's because it helped me understand the significance of the light. It helped me understand the significance of the light and the lack of significance the dark has when the light's turned on. Because the, the, the darkness had no hold. The fears had no hold. As soon as I turned that light on, it was game over. And I didn't need the nightlight anymore. Because I'd experienced the light. I'd experienced the power of what the light does to the darkness. And now I knew what it meant for me. I knew what it meant for me. Because it meant that I could switch my light off and be in the dark. And still know my fears were irrational. And still know that my fears didn't have a hold on me anymore. And we need to be like that. We need to experience the light. And then we need to know and understand what it means for us. We need to know and understand what it means for us. It says this in John 1.5. It says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not 
overcome it. John 8 verses 12 says, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You know, in, my, in the dark, fears fester. Then they stay around, they stick around, they stick to you. They become worse. You begin to think about them more and more. But in the light, fears disappear. When I spend time in God's presence, when I spend time in the light, I get perspective. I get perspect- correct perspective of the dark. Franklin D. Roosevelt said this. He said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important. I believe that. I believe the light's more important. I believe the light of Jesus is more important. I believe that it, it just banishes every, every fear like that. It's not even a contest. No contest. Listen, light. Switch the light on. The dark, where's the darkness? It is completely gone. It's completely gone. You know, the darkness can't even can't snuff, can't snuff any part of the light out. It can't snuff even a tad. And when we understand this, when we understand, when we move past the point of experiencing the light, whoop, we move into the point of knowing what it means for us, I believe we are called to live differently at that point. There is a big difference, you know, we sort of finding God, our vision statement, experiencing the light switch on. Following Jesus, knowing what it means for us. Knowing what it means for us. Hey, we, will the band just jump up behind? I'm going to finish in a second. When we walk into dark places, I believe that when I understand the significance of the light, when I understand what it means for me, I walk in different. I walk into dark situations with courage. Now, there are kids I sit with every Friday who are in dark situations. As I do, as I do you folk, these kids, they, they come from, they have dark perspectives, dark mindsets. It's not their fault. This is what they've been brought into. It's just all they understand is they just see the darkness. But when they see the youth team, I'm not going to be arrogant, they see light. When they see me, I know the light's inside me. They see light. I'm confident in it. And it's time we started, stop being restricted. Stop living like this, wrapped around our, 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 our legs. It's holding us back from the breakthrough that people need, from the breakthrough that you need. And if we understand the light, we understand the victory we have living inside of us. If we understand the effect the light has for us, we understand that we can live differently, we can live changed lives, that we can transform. You can transform situations when you walk into them and you carry the light of Jesus. You know, sometimes in church, we've avoided the dark places of our communities, haven't we? There's dark places in our communities and, we, and we've avoided them because it's not safe over there. What if the darkness consumes me? It can't. It can't. The darkness can't consume the light you have inside of you. It has no power. It has no power. And so when, our, when we walk into the darkness, we're the difference maker, not them. When you walk into dark situations, you're the one who makes the difference. You're the one who lights it up. They don't darken you. You light it up for what Jesus has placed inside you. And you know, I, I just feel this year... We have to be, stop being comfortable. We've just sat in comfortable seats. I'm talking to myself here. I've sat in too many times and been comfortable in church. And church is not designed to be comfortable. It is an uncomfortable. I've read about Jesus. It's not easy following Jesus. It's not a comfortable ride following Jesus. It's hard. We need to get ourselves out of this thing of going, let's come to church. Let's just be comfortable. I believe that comfortable, no, sort of being comfortable in the church is the conformity of the world. I do believe that. And it's time we need to break free. 
It's time we need to where, where comfort's reign ends in our churches and Jesus' reign begins again. It's time to get uncomfortable. You know, the church was never designed to defend the light. It was designed to attack the dark. Come on. It was never designed to defend what we have. It's meant to go out and make a difference. We're meant to storm the gates of hell and we sit far too often in our chairs and our pews. And I'm talking to myself as I sit here with you guys. And I've been comfortable. And I've allowed the light, the significant life-changing light that is out there, that is inside of me, to just go sort of like sit. And I've just been an armchair Christian at points. I believe in this mission of freedom passionately. We need to be free. This morning, you need to be free. If you want to make a difference in your community, you need to be free. You want to sort of see breakthrough into situations in your life, into people, other people's lives around you, you need to be free. You need to let go of the stuff that so easily ensnares us, that sticks to us. Your breakthrough this morning is just the gateway to somebody else's breakthrough. It's the doorway. When you break through into the next thing that God has for you, when you can stand there and tell your story, you can tell your testimony to the people around you, it will begin to spell breakthroughs in their situations. Because when you say, I have broken free from the stuff that held me back before, you can break free too. And your breakthrough will be the doorway to your colleagues' breakthrough. It will be the doorway to your friends' breakthrough. It will be the doorway to your family's breakthrough. But until you break through, they don't break through. And I believe there's a call coming where Jesus said, it's time today. Let's break through. Let's break through. John 4, 18, one of, my, one of the most powerful, I believe, verses in all scripture says this, perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love and fear can't exist in the same room at the same time. Because as soon as perfect love enters, boom, kicks fear out. It kicks fear out. It has no place there anymore. But here's the problem, and I believe this is significant for this morning. Far too often, fear guards the doorways in. Fear guards the doorways of letting perfect love in. I believe there's some people here this morning where there are doorways and areas and rooms in your life where fear is guarding the door. And you need perfect love to break through. But you need to bust down the perf- the, that, that, that fear first. When I read the Bible, I see when people encounter God's glory, I see the, this phrase over and over again, whether it's God's glory directly or via his angels. Do not be afraid. First, don't be afraid. And then he speaks purpose in. And then he speaks purpose in. Because he needs to speak stuff out before he can speak stuff out. I believe that when he says, don't be afraid, he says, fear, get out of it. Come on, on your bike. And then he speaks direction. And he speaks purpose in. And I believe that this morning we need to have that experience. We need to experience the glory of God. Where he, where he says, because he's going to come. I believe it. He's going to come. And he says, fear, go. You've got no hold. And he speaks direction. And he speaks vision. And he speaks freedom into your life. Maybe for you, you know that when I speak about fear God in those doors, you're like, yeah, I know. Maybe the fear of man, 
maybe insecurities that have risen up, maybe the fear of failure has just weighed you right down and actually stopped you from expanding into the areas that God's calling you to. It's restricted your movement. You've been hobbling around for way too many years, trying to make your way through, and I believe God is calling you to a new freedom, a new freedom that starts this morning. We need to close your eyes and we're going to pray a second. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. You've fallen on us now, God. We need you. We need your words. We need breakthrough in situations. And if it is you, and if you are sat here this morning, there's just an, you know there's rooms of your life where fear has held the doorway and it's, hold, and it's stopping perfect love from getting in. It's stopping from you from living the life of freedom that God's intended for you. This morning, I want you to do something really brave. In a second, I'll get you to stand. And in the movement, I believe there'll be freedom for some of you. I believe just the standing, as you stand to your feet, I believe there'll be freedom for you. Because what you're saying is, you're saying, no, you know what? Fear will tell you, sit down. And God says, no, no, no. Come on, step into what's next. This is the first step into doing something new. So if that's you, with every eye closed, and you know that actually there are areas of your life where fear has reigned, where you have just kind of like sort of been stifled by it, your movement's been restricted, I want you to stand for me. You just stand for me now, if that's you. And if that's you, just put your hands out before him, because we're going to receive some freedom this morning. Receive this freedom. Anybody else? Stand up now. If there's is there one more person where there's just a voice in your head that says, sit down? If that's you, tell them to shut up. Stand up. Father God, release your freedom now. We pray fear out and we pray purpose and freedom in, in Jesus' name. Lord, we don't want to be people who live restricted anymore. We don't want to be people who, who walk around sort of in the, not in the fullness of, of what you've called us for, God. We want to receive your presence because we know when your presence is, when we encounter your glory, there is freedom for us this morning. And so, God, we are full. We are full like a flood. And just soak us. You know, like me in the rain. Or we want to be so soaked in you, the fears just completely wash away. We do that now. We're going to sing. Just, just can everybody join and stand. I believe this, there's a part of us that all of us actually have stuff that we need to sort of give up and we need more freedom in our lives. And so all of us, let's all put our hands before because we're all receiving still. Keep your hands out receiving. When you're doing this with your hands, you're, you're just demonstrating your heart's position. If your heart's position is open to Jesus, we just put our hands out and say, Jesus, will you come? And I just want us to, I, I don't want you to do anything for a second. I just want Anna to sing over you. I want Anna to sing these powerful, powerful words she's going to sing. And as she sings, we receive what God's doing. We receive your freedom because he has freed you. But it's time to pick up the freedom. It's time to walk in the freedom.